today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. My wound is severe, but I say, truly, this is an infirmity and I must bear it. Oh, would to God that we like Jeremiah would say, this is an infirmity I must bear it. Would to God that we, like Job, would say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Would to God that we, like Esther, would say, if I perish, I perish. Be bold in your faith and trust in the Lord. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches you about specific heroes within the faith. It's not that these people were without their faults. It's that these heroes were committed to the Lord and to their faith in Him. When you're faithful to God, He'll empower you to do things you never thought you could do. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Chapter 10, how you doing? Verse 1, hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. You know what he's referring to here? And again, he's publicly proclaiming this, and they would have known exactly what he was referring to, astrology. Oh, this is what the Babylonians did. And it seems, according to these first two verses, that the house of Israel was learning their ways. The signs of the zodiac. By the way, it is a satanic corruption. Now, Verse 3, we're going to get down and dirty. (laughs) You're going to have to bear with me. For the customs of the peoples are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas. What? They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree, and (laughs) they cannot speak. They must be carried, because they cannot go by themselves. By the way, you know you got a problem when you got to carry your God, instead of your God carrying you. Now, we're going to come back to that. That's going to be germane to our understanding of what this is about, because this is the passage of Scripture, by the way, that those who say Christians should never have a Christmas tree because of what Jeremiah 10 says. This is a pagan custom. They would take and they would go out and they would cut down their own Christmas tree in that Christmas tree farm, and they would take it home, and they would put it in the Christmas tree stand, and they would decorate it and put silver and gold on it, and worship it. Hang on, just wait before you. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's just get this dealt with so we can move on. So does this mean that we should never have a Christmas tree? No. 
Well, wait a minute. I mean, that, that's kind of describing the Christmas tree. I know. But do you worship your Christmas tree? Now, that's a different story. If you're worshiping your Christmas tree, we need to talk about that. That's different. That's not what we're talking about here. They were doing it to their pagan gods, and they were worshiping these trees as gods, and the worship surrounding the tree. I'm not going to get into it. Very um, just awful, I guess, for lack of a better word. So why is it okay for a Christian to have a Christmas tree? I'll tell you why. Because, in fact, I like how one commentator stated it, there are actually more comparisons to the Christmas tree being more acceptable for a Christian than there are comparisons out of this passage in particular for the Christmas tree not being appropriate for Christians to have. So in our home we have a Christmas tree. Don't email me. The tree is the cross. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. My Jesus hung on a tree for me, paid for my sins. The lights we put on the tree, a symbol of Jesus, who's the light of the world. How about the gifts under the tree? Ah, that's the best part, of course, especially when you're a kid, right? The gift of eternal life that was purchased by Jesus on that tree for me. He paid for that gift on that tree for me. So there, Merry Christmas. I'm not trying to be mean. I remember one Christmas sermon one year. This is a while ago now. And I think I titled it, You Can't Have Our Christmas Just Yet. After the rapture, you can do whatever you want with it, but not yet. (laughs) You can't have our Christmas yet. You also can't take our Resurrection Sunday celebration either. You can do whatever you want after we're gone, but not yet. Okay, are we good? We're good? Merry Christmas? All right. Verse 6, Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great, and your name is great in might, Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your rightful due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. I love this, I love this, I love this. Who is like unto you, O Lord? Who is like unto you? There is none like you. And again, Jeremiah is proclaiming this. I love it when God boasts on Himself. He can do that, you know, because who is like unto Him? But they, verse 8, are altogether dull-hearted and foolish. Now dull-hearted, we're going to see it again here in a moment, and I'll expound maybe a little bit more on it. But it's not a phrase we really use much in our day, but it It has this idea of just a heart that is hardened and dullened and uninterested, and here we're told foolish. A wooden idol is a worthless doctrine. Silver, verse 9, is beaten into plates. 
It is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ufaz, the work of the craftsmen and the hands of the metalsmith, blue and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skillful men. By the way, we're still on the Christmas tree, so you know. I mean, they're adorning this, and and they're putting all of this skill into this. And this is not cheap, by the way. Blue and purple? I mean, that, wow, they're really into this thing. Yes, they are. But, verse 10, you know when you read a but like this in verse 10, you know that everything heretofore, <laughs> God is going to say something about it now. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. And here it is, at His wrath the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. I want to highlight and emphasize this for this reason. It's this verse that should give every one of us pause concerning the coming wrath of God upon all the nations on earth. I know I say it probably seemingly every week, but the prophetic parallels with Jeremiah's day and our day as are as stunning as they are chilling. Here you've got the Jeremiah's of our day proclaiming this, this is what's coming. God's judgment is coming on all of the nations of the earth in the seven-year tribulation. It is coming. You can be assured of it. And no one's listening. Not much has changed, has it? They just walk on by, jeering, mocking, ridiculing, laughing. But here's the thing. It's going to happen. I wonder, I, I was thinking about this today, as I was preparing for the teaching tonight, I wonder if when they were carried away, those who survived by the way, because many were killed, when the Babylonians would come and invade Judah and carry away the Jews to Babylon, exactly as the prophet Jeremiah declared. I wonder if as they were being carried away by the Babylonians, they remembered, wait a minute. You remember that guy that day, and we laughed at him, and he said this is what was going to happen? It happened. You know, now I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 11, thus you shall say to them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. <laughs> he has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at His discretion. Emphasis mine on Him. His. He. Oh, throughout the Old Testament, replete throughout the Old Testament, 
to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. The emphasis is on I. That's not your God. They didn't create the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. I did that. I am the Lord your God. These are not gods. And here it is again. Verse 13, when he utters his voice. Did I miss a verse? I did. Did I? No, I didn't. Why are you falsely accusing me of missing a verse? I didn't. (laughs) Verse 13, (laughs) when he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. I like that imagery. And verse 14, everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by an image, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. That that God you worship it can't talk. Did you, did you realize that, right? That, that, that God that you fashioned, that image that you made, that you bow down and worship, you know that it, it is not God, right? You know that? And there it is again, doing the tender commandments, as one affectionately referred to them. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make for yourself any graven images. Why are those tender commandments? Because they're from a tender, loving Heavenly Father that says, you can make those images, but they're not going to be there for you. I will. Don't bow down and worship them, because they're not gods. I am God. Don't have other gods before me. I am God. Don't make for yourself a God, because that God cannot do anything for you. They are futile, verse 15, a work of errors in the time of their punishment they shall perish. The portion of Jacob, verse 16, is not like them, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Gather up your wares from the land, O inhabitant of the fortress. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will throw out at this time the inhabitants of the land, and will distress them that they may find it so. Now here's Jeremiah, again publicly professing and speaking this. Woe is me from my hurt. My wound is severe. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity, and I must bear it. Oh, would to God (laughs) that we, like Jeremiah, would say, this is an infirmity, I must bear it. Would to God that we, like Job, would say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Would to God that we, like Esther, would say, if I perish, I perish. My tent, verse 20, is plundered, and all my cords are broken. My children have gone from me, and they are no more. There is no one to pitch my tent anymore, or set up my curtains. 
And then verse 21, and you're going to have to bear with me on this one. For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Again, just bear with me, because this is talking about the pastors, the shepherds, the leaders, the teachers, the overseers of the flock of God. They too had become dull-hearted, hard-hearted, and, and were even kind of given a, a glimpse as to why they had become so. They stopped seeking the Lord. Their prayer life became non-existent. And they had become, become, they weren't always that way dull-hearted. And these are the shepherds. Not only will God not bless and prosper them, He can't. He wants to, but He can't. And how about their flocks? What about them? They're not being fed. They're being scattered. If you only knew, if you had any idea of how many people will email us or make comments or post comments that read almost verbatim like verse 21. I can't go to this church anymore. The pastor's not preaching. Forget Bible prophecy. The pastor's not preaching the Word. He gets up there and dull? How many times can you have the word dull used in the same sentence as sermon? <laughs> that was really dull. That's because the shepherd is dull-hearted. And what happens to the flock? Well, they scatter, because there's no shepherds. Well, this is heartbreaking. <laughs> And I have to confess that this is one of the most heartbreaking things that I deal with as a pastor. I mean, I want to be found faithful. I want the Lord to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. Because I'm going to have to give an account as a shepherd, as a pastor, as an overseer of this, the flock of God. And here's the consolation for me, for all of those that are scattered. Jesus is the good shepherd. These are dull-hearted shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd. And Jesus loves his flock so much. And he'll see to it, despite these dull-hearted shepherds, that his flock is fed and tended to. I think of Peter, just real quick. I think it's apropos to bring the dialogue that Jesus had with Peter when he restored him. Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks him. And Peter, the third time, weeps. And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Well, I love the Lord so much. And I know that when I stand behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to every week, and teach the Word, and feed the flock, that the Lord is pleased and blessed, because I love the Lord. And I love you too, by the way. I kind of like you too, actually. So, <laughs> Verse 22, Behold, the noise of the report has come, and a great commotion 
out of the north country, again speaking of Babylon, to make the cities of Judah desolate, a den of jackals. Oh Lord, verse 23, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Boy, you can say that again. (laughs) It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Left to himself, left to his own way. Verse 24, O Lord, correct me. Ooh, dangerous prayer, by the way. Correct me. Have you ever asked the Lord to do that? Chastise me, discipline me, correct me. Oh, He will. But with justice, not in your anger. Oh, that's a whole nother sermon unto itself. Not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. And God could effortlessly crush us, but He won't. Pour out your fury on the Gentiles. (laughs) I like that. That's a a sanctified um, satisfaction. Don't pour it out on me. Pour it out on them. Not me. No, those, the Gentiles, who do not know you, and on the families who do not call on your name. And here's why, for they have eaten up Jacob, devoured him, and consumed him, and made his dwelling place desolate. Okay, what is this saying here at the end of the chapter? Well, it's Jeremiah in effect, praying, even pleading with the Lord to be merciful. Yes, God, I I know you're just in your judgment, and rightfully so, but the prophecy you just gave me to proclaim and prophesy is so bad, and they are going to, I mean, go way beyond as they devour and consume, and make desolate Judah. Don't let them get away with that. Yes, you're using them as the instrument in your hand of judgment. I get that. But God, you know what they're going to do, right? (laughs) They're going to pile on and go beyond, and take great delight in what you've allowed them to do. And yes, you've allowed them to do it. I mean, in your justice, because you are a just God, be merciful. Just be merciful to us. Yes, we deserve this. We brought this on ourselves. I realize that, but they are going to take great delight in devouring us. Be merciful to us, Lord, please. Be merciful to us. And that's how he ends his uh, message. And that's how we're going to end the Bible study tonight, too. Can you imagine now all those people there at the gate? Are you done? Wow. Man, that was was awful. That was awful. It was a horrible sermon and message and prophecy. I'm so glad it's over. It's kind of like, (laughs) you know what really blessed me about your preaching was when it ended. Yeah, I was so blessed when it ended. Why don't you stand? And we'll bless you by ending this. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.